Father, we thank you for the ministry of the word. We pray that you give us utterance and you give your people understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 15 and 19 and make some comments. And then we'll go to Matthew 25 from verse 1 to verse 13 and make some comments. Uh, but we want to talk to you again about wisdom versus foolishness. Walking wisely versus walking foolishly. Paul speaks about that in Ephesians chapter 5 and then Matthew 25. Jesus tells a parable which again makes this distinction between the wise and the foolish. And we want to look at these passages today, make some comments, and hopefully, by the grace of God, drive home a point that will help you in your Christian walk. In Jesus' name, now the Holy Spirit gives me utterance and gives you understanding. Amen. Let's read together. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Stop. Now hear me. He's talking about walking. And he's addressing this to Christians. And basically what we get from here is that as a Christian, you can walk as a fool, or you can walk foolishly, or you can walk wisely. You have a choice. Okay, so among us here today are some who are walking wisely as Christians. There are also some who are walking foolishly. What the Holy Spirit wants, what I desire, what I'm sure you want for yourself, you want to be among those who are walking wisely as a Christian, right? Now, what does it mean to walk? Well, scripturally, when the Bible uses walk as, it's, as, as it does here, there are two things that should come to mind. One, Walking refers to the way you order your behavior. He's saying there's a way that as a Christian you should order your behavior. There's a way you should conduct yourself here on earth. And you should do so wisely. And then it also refers to the idea of moving forward making progress. When you're walking, you are moving forward, getting closer and closer to a destination. And so when Paul talks about walking wisely or walking circumspectly, he's saying to you as a Christian, you need to make sure that you're ordering your behavior and your conduct wisely. You ought to be ordering your behavior and your conduct according to Christ. You ought to be ordering your conduct and behavior in the likeness of Jesus. Amen? And then secondly, he's saying to us as Christians, you ought to be growing. You ought to be growing spiritually. You ought to be maturing spiritually. You ought to be making progress spiritually. You are not wise if you're stagnant. You're not wise if you're not pressing in and and growing spiritually. So every believer needs to be careful how you conduct your behavior here on earth before men. Now, Rashman Nee has a book called Sit Walk, and, Sit, Walk, Stand. Powerful book. I believe I'm going to do a series based upon that book because he really opens up, I believe, the book of Ephesians for us and, and, and he helps us. But he tells us that the journey of the Christian begins from the position of sitting. We're seated in the heavenly places. You can't walk until you know how to sit. Amen? So we have to first sit in the, be seated, take our place in 
in Christ, our heavenly position. Learn how to rest in that. Because it is from that seated position in the heavenly places that we derive the authority and the power we need to walk. So you don't start walking until you learn how to be seated. Or you'll be frustrated in your walk. Because you'll be drawing on your own strength for the walk rather than his strength. All right? But you can't just be seated. Yeah, we're seated. That's our heavenly position. But now there needs to be an earthly practice. We need to practice, put into practice on a daily basis on earth. In our interactions with men, all that we are in Christ now needs to put, be put into practice as we interact with people, circumstances, etc., etc., on the earth. Conduct yourself as who you are in Christ. Grow up. Make progress. Don't be stagnant. So Paul here then distinguishes between the foolish and the wise. The foolish are those, or the wise are those who walk circumspectly. They, they conduct their, them, themselves according to Christ. They, they, they are growing spiritually. They are giving themselves to spiritual things, to the word, to prayer, to fellowship. All of these things that are part of and expressions of their spiritual life and growth. Let's go on. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want you to see the association between wisdom and time. Those who are walking wisely as Christians, they redeem time. That means they use their time for the purpose for which God gave it to them. They make use of every opportunity given to them to effectively do the will of God or to equip themselves to prepare themselves for the will of God. That's how you redeem time. You don't, if you're unwise, you will use time for the wrong things or you will simply do nothing with time and just let it pass you by. Waste it. That's not wisdom. The wise Christian takes time seriously and he uses time to effectively carry out the current assignment or to prepare and equip himself for the next assignment. Redeem time. That's the mindset of the Christian who is wise. Why should we do so? He tells you. Because the days are evil. Why should you redeem time? Use time wisely. Use time to do the will of God. Why? Because he said the days, say it, the days are evil. Brothers and sisters, this world and this earth will never become heaven. It's not going to get better. If Jesus tells the truth, and we know he does, he talks about things getting worse, not better. He talks about it becoming more and more difficult for us as Christians to, to walk and live as Christians here on earth. Earth and the world is not going to become more hospitable to, towards Christians. They're going to become more hostile towards Christians. If you don't believe this world is evil and the days are evil, just look at what's happening right now in the Ukraine. How can someone, just to satisfy his ego, decide that he's going to just bomb another nation that did not threaten him in any way and kill and maim so many people who he doesn't know 
But he sits there and just keeps on bombarding and bombing, destroying entire cities, creating over three million refugees already. Brothers and sisters, that is evil. That is wicked. And it's not only happening in Ukraine. We, we're hearing about it every day because it's the Ukraine. But all over the world, in Africa, Nigeria, Ethiopia, in all so many different places right now, South America, people are dying because men are committing evil acts of atrocities against others. The days are evil. And that's one of the reasons why we should determine ourselves here at Harvest that we're going to be wise. We're going to redeem time. We're going to walk circumspectly. Because the days are evil and they're going to get worse. And that's one of the reasons we should be drawing closer to one another, not further apart. We met yesterday with the young, you know, we had some of the, the older men meeting with the younger men, all the generations. Huh? They had the boomer generation all the way to the generation Z. And in between, amen, I was one of the one of only two boomers. I decided not to let you know who the other boomer is because he married to a young wife. <laughs> so, so I'm keeping his name private and secret, okay? But I was one day, but we were just, it was such a wonderful time of fellowship and we plan to do this regularly. So those of you who are boomers, a little uh, generation, what's the next one, Pastor P? You are generation X. Boomers and the Generation X people, you come on, let's get together and meet with these younger people who are Y and Z. I don't know what happens after Z. They go back to AA or something. <laughs> but it's a good, it was a good time of fellowship. But one of the things that was obvious is that the younger generation, Generation Z, yeah, and, and they're facing a set of challenges in this world that I did not have to deal with when I was growing up. I mean, the days are evil. It's getting worse. It's harder and harder and harder and harder to walk circumspectly, to walk wisely, to, to walk and to live as a believer in this world. It's getting more and more difficult. And that's why we need to, again, draw closer to one another, encourage one another, encourage these younger ones because they are growing up in a world that is, is evil and it's only going to get worse. Now listen to this. I, again, I don't care what side of political um, divide spectrum you might find yourself. Isn't, I mean, can you imagine, could you have imagined a day when a Supreme Court appoint justice could not define what a woman is? that you would ask a Supreme Court justice, what is a woman? And she could not say or define what a woman is so that her answer was, I'm not a biologist. Now, it's not, this is not a political statement, so I'm not Democrat or Republican here. No matter where you are as a Christian, that should concern you. That we have deviated so much from the word where God says we'll make man and woman. And we know signs. If you, if you just took basic signs, you know that a man has XY chromosomes, right? And a woman is what? Why can't you just say that? Huh? We know that a man possesses certain parts. 
that are different from a woman. When did that become such a hard question that now you got to be a biologist to answer it? That shows you that the days are evil. The word of God is thrown out. Because if we believe the Bible, we could answer that question quite easily. But now, obviously, I, you know, I don't know what her personal beliefs are, but she obviously didn't feel she could answer that question the way I may have answered it and still get appointed. So the days have become so evil that she now has to protect her chances for being appointed but not answering what should be an easy question. So if you're running for political office now, if you want to be elected, you got to avoid answering so many questions. It didn't used to be so, but that's the world these young people are growing up in. This is the world that they're going to have to look for jobs in and do business in. My goodness, they go to school and this is the kind of stuff they hear. This is the atmosphere they're in. The world is evil. And that is why Paul said, back then the days were evil. I say they're even more evil now. And we should heed more than ever what the Spirit of God is saying. Walk circumspectly. Conduct your behavior according to Christ. Grow spiritually. Redeem time. Use time wisely for, to know, to understand, and to do the will of God, no matter what. Let's read the next verse. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be what? Unwise. How? By understanding what the will of the Lord is. Hear me. No matter how things change outwardly, no matter what values the world adopts and what values they throw out, as a Christian, your commitment, my commitment, is to the will of God. And the will of God doesn't change every, with every generation. His will for the boomer generation is his will for the millennials, generation Y, generation Z, and the generations that will come afterwards if Jesus tarries. Whatever generation you are in, you, if you will be wise, must know, must understand the will of the Lord, why? So that you can do it. He's not saying just know it. Know it so that no matter what others are su suggesting, what pressure you feel from without, you're still going to do the will of God. You're going to be laser focused on the will of God, and that's what you're going to do. And do not be drunk with what? Wine in which is dissipation, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. So those who walk wisely understand how important it is that they are filled with the Holy Spirit because they know there's no way to do the will of God in this evil day consistently, fully, without the power that the Spirit gives. So we cannot do God's will. We cannot walk circumspectly. We cannot redeem time effectively without supernatural power to do so. And the good news is God gives us his spirit. 
For every believer, every child of God, when you're born again, one of the first things that happen is that the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. And he's there as a resource to give you strength and power and the ability to do the will of God. Yeah, go ahead and raise your head and thank God for the Holy Ghost. So God doesn't send us into this world without power and without divine strength to deal with what we have to deal with. However, we still have a choice whether we're going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit or not. Just because he lives in you doesn't mean he is controlling, influencing you, empowering you. Because that depends upon your response to him. And so the scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. Literally, that means be ye continually Filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not, okay, I got the Holy Spirit, he lives in me, and that's it. No, every day we ought to be living our lives, yielded to, surrendered to, acknowledging, and allowing the Holy Spirit every day to influence and control our thoughts and our actions. To be filled with the Spirit means to be under the influence. Just like to be drunk with wine is to be under the influence of wine. When you drink too much wine, it takes over. And it begins to control the way you think and act. And he said, don't do that because that's foolishness. But go ahead and as an act of your will, yield your members, yield your thoughts, yield your emotions. Submit everything you do to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit control, influence the choices and the decisions you make on a daily basis. And then depend upon him for the strength to do it. God never commands what he doesn't empower you to perform. So whenever he tells you to do something, acknowledge I can, but you can't. And I'm going to trust your spirit in me to perform this in and through me. Are you hearing me? There's a, there's a, there's, there, there's a choice. You can walk wisely or you can walk foolishly. And, and that involves being filled or letting and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill and influence you on a daily basis so you can walk circumspectly. Let's go to the next verse and we'll stop. The next verse. Be filled with the Spirit. Doing what? Speaking to, everybody say that. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice, speaking to one another. So this being filled with the Spirit is not just a personal, individualistic phenomena. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, it involves this interaction between you and other members of the body. You can't be filled with the Spirit just by yourself, fully. If you're going to be fully under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit, you've got to understand there's a corporate dimension to being filled Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. Is there anyone here who you sing pretty well by yourself? But the minute they put you in a group and they got different parts and all of that, you get lost? Raise your hand. Okay, a few people raising their hand. Oh, yeah, you can give them a mic and they can sing a solo, but they just can't harmonize. And there's some folks in the body of Christ think that it's okay with God for them to just sing solos. God isn't looking for a soloist. He's, oh my goodness, he wants a choir. Okay, he wants harmony. 
And, and, and being filled with the Spirit involves this coming together so that we can harmonize in our service to the Lord and, and together make a much greater sound. I thank God for the soloist, man, but when you get a choir where they got all the parts together, man, and then you bring the orchestra and all the different bands and uh, instruments are playing, it takes it to another level. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? All right. So now let's go to Matthew 25. You can see Matthew 25, Jesus is, again, is talking about the wise and the foolish. And he makes a distinction there that I want to show you. Again, you will see the association between wisdom and time. How the wise use time. It's important. Because whether you're a fool or whether you're, you're wise has to do with how you use the time you have. For what? Let's read together. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. So that's the Jewish practice back then. I don't know if it's still the same. But you would know the day of the wedding. You just won't know the exact time the wedding starts. Now, it was not like, like some of us were from Africa and, 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 and you get the invitation is for 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. People are just showing up and many times that's when the wedding is starting. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? In this case, they didn't even tell you what time. They just say on this day, the bridegroom is going to come, the wedding is going to take place. So now everybody who planned to be at the wedding had to be listening and watching for when the bridegroom would show up. So he could show up early in the morning, he could show up in the afternoon, he could show up at night, he could show up at midnight. But what would happen is the sound would go out. The bridegroom is here, and once the word came that the bridegroom had come, everybody who planned to be there would get in the procession and get ready. Now, this is similar to our expectation of Christ's coming. We don't know the hour. We don't know the minute. We just know he's coming. And we know with God, he's coming today. Because with God, it's today. God, we know Christ is coming. And so each of us now is to live, get up every morning, this is my best day. Because Christ could be coming back today. All right? Now, if he's coming back today, that means throughout the day, I should be waiting to hear the voice. Waiting for the command. Waiting for the instruction. And ready to respond. So every day, I should be listening for the word. For the voice that will speak. For the command that will be spoken. For the instruction that will be given. And maybe I will not hear within these 24 hours that the bridegroom has returned. But if I'm listening for that voice, I will hear that voice when it speaks to me and gives me instructions for other things that he wants done that day. If I'm living as though he's coming and so I am expecting 
the voice. I'm expecting instructions. I'm expecting command that I can respond to immediately. If I'm living today as though Christ has come, then my posture is one of listening. And if I'm listening each day, I will hear his voice. Giving me direction, giving me instruction, giving me guidance. And when he speaks and gives me instruction, when the spirit speaks, when the word comes, when the command comes, when the promise is given, I want to be ready to respond immediately. The wise live as though Christ is returning today. Therefore, they live attentively to the spirit and they live ready to respond. But not the fools. Not the fools. The fools procrastinate. And when they hear the voice, that's when they want to get ready. And while they're getting ready, the door of opportunity closes. And I'm not just talking about the return of Christ. I'm talking about the door of opportunities that can open up to you because God wants to use you now. Because God wants to do something now. Because God wants to bless you now. Because God wants to fulfill a promise now. Because God wants to give you an assignment now. But when the voice is spoken, when the word comes, when the instruction is given by the spirit, by the word, however God speaks. Because you have not redeemed time. You find yourself unready to respond. And now you try to get ready. But while you're getting ready, the door of opportunity shuts. And when you come back, no matter how hard you try to retrieve that opportunity, it's lost. I'm not speaking just about spiritual things. I'm speaking about natural things as well. The wise redeem time. Because they use time to effectively carry out the current assignment, enjoy the current promise while preparing and getting ready for the next. The foolish have desires, they have dreams, they have aspirations, but they don't use time wisely. So let's illustrate that with this story. Let's read it. So go to verse 2. Now five of them were wise and five were what? Foolish, next verse. Those who were foolish took their lands and took no oil with them. They took no oil with them. Now, they knew they would need oil. They knew their lives needed to be burning when the door of opportunity is presented to them. They knew that. But they took no extra oil. They did not use time Wisely, For had they used their time wisely, they would have used the time to prepare adequately to be ready whenever the voice was heard and the door of opportunity presented itself. They were careless with time. Next verse. But the wise did what? They took oil in their vessels with their lamps. You see the difference between the wise and the foolish? Let me just shorten this. Most of you know the story, so let me shorten this. Let me just say this. 
When you look at the two groups, they have a lot in common. All, all ten of them are virgins. All ten of them have lamps. All ten of them at one point had oil in the lamp. All ten of them were looking forward to the wedding feast, wanted to participate in it, yearned to be a part of it. All of that they had in common, and that was good. But the difference between the foolish and the wise, the reason Jesus said one group was wise and one group was foolish was this. The wise were not necessarily better than the foolish because they were all virgins. Here was the distinction. The wise got ready early. The foolish got ready too late. Because when the voice was heard, the foolish ran to get ready. They got ready. But by the time they got back, the door opportunity was closed. They got ready, but they got ready too late. The reason they were, the thing they were getting ready for, by the time they got ready for it, the opportunity was no longer there. So here is what the Spirit is saying. Don't just get ready. If you want to be wise, get ready early. Get ready sooner, not later. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Because if you get ready early, then you are in the position to make the most of every door of opportunity. This is true in the natural. You don't want to miss opportunities in the natural. You want to be able to seize them. And when you don't seize those opportunities, they are costly. In the natural, you can miss a good wife because you weren't prepared. You can miss a good job because you weren't prepared early enough. You can miss a good business opportunity because you were not prepared beforehand. And by the time you get prepared, the opportunity is no longer there. By the time you get prepared, the woman is married to another man. The man is married to another woman. The door is shut. No matter how hard you cry, you cry to try to retrieve it, you can't. Are you listening to me? So you want to be wise. You want to redeem time. You redeem time. Use time to do what you're supposed to be doing, working effectively on the current assignment, but also equipping yourself and preparing yourself for the next. Because you don't want to be caught in a place that these foolish virgins were caught in, where the door is open. Now it's the thing to do is to step in. But you don't have what it takes, and you got to go try to get it when you could have gotten it early. How many of you have heard of, in Israel, they talk about, in the Bible, they talk about first fruits, the concept of first fruits. Well, what, 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 what is behind that is, is, is that there are certain crops. You know, you have a particular season when there's a harvest time. Let me, let me just say April is the season for the harvest of oranges, for example. And so in April and May, you expect the orange trees to be full of oranges. But what happens is that some fruit actually ripen and mature, say, in February. And so they're ready in February. 
In April, the rest will be ready. But those that got ready in February got ready early. Their first fruit. Because they got ready earlier. If they were human, we would say they made use of time. They made use of the resources. The same time and resources that were available to all the fruit, they made use of it so that they got ready early. Now, the first fruit usually sell for a lot more. They, they, they're more valuable because they got ready. They became usable earlier. And so they will pay twice, three times the price for the first fruit. Now, eventually, all the fruit will get right. And so the quality of the first fruit is not better than the second or the harvest. It's just that their value consists in the fact that they used time efficiently and effectively, didn't waste time, and they became useful early rather than later. Jesus will come. And when Jesus comes, if you're in Christ, all of us will be like him. All of us will be conformed to his image. All of us will be filled with his spirit when it's harvest time. But what God needs right now are some first fruits. Why? Because there are things that God wants to do now. There are assignments God wants to fulfill now. There are promises God wants to manifest now. There are privileges God wants you to benefit from now. And so God doesn't want you waiting until later when you see Jesus. He wants us now to be wise. And wisdom is manifested in us when we decide, I'm not procrastinating I'm going to get ripe now. I am going to mature now. So that when he calls, I can answer. When I hear the voice at the end of the age, or whether it's the voice that comes now, because today he speaks. Today he promises. Today he gives instructions. I want to be able to hear that voice. And be able to respond and make the most of the opportunities to be used of him today. Hear me. You're wise if you make the decision to be ready. Always. Listening. Always. Useful now. You're foolish if you're procrastinating and putting off for tomorrow. Two minute doors of opportunities will come your way and you will miss it. And it's costly. It's costly to you. It's costly to others. It is costly to the kingdom. Let me share with you a little something that happened yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? I don't remember. But recently, I went to the giant um, giant um, store to get a few things and, and this lady she was Asian she had on her her mask she walked up to me and started talking I listened for about maybe two three minutes I couldn't understand all that she was saying because she had the mask on and she was talking kind of fast but in and here and there I heard her say Jesus 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 so I heard the name Jesus so after a while I said okay I'm not hearing everything you say but you talking to me about Jesus and yeah yeah she said yeah I said oh okay I said when did you get saved and she and she told me, uh, oh, yeah, I received Christ, da, 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 da. I said, oh, what church did you come to? She said, well, I went to the Spanish church, and I went to the African church, and I went to, 
I think she said Asian church, but so different churches. She said, but you know, uh, I have this food addiction. And, uh, you know, it's just hard. I try to break it. It's just hard, you know, food addiction. And so I could tell that she needed some help, that there was a, there was a lot of legalism there that she was operating under. And so I began to talk to her. I said, wait a minute. I said, she's wondering, how can I be free? I said, well, here's the first mistake you're making. You're just saying it's hard and you're trying to overcome it in your own strength. Why don't you begin by saying it's impossible? You can't do it. So that you can depend totally and completely upon Christ and his life in you for victory. So that, that, was, that was what I was trying to communicate to her. And then I quoted a verse. I said, you know what? Here's, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. As soon as she heard me say Jesus was made sin, she said, no, 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 Jesus, no, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless. No, 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 no. I can't believe that. No, 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 no. I said, no, the Bible says Jesus became sin for us. No, 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 no. Jesus was sin. No, Jesus took our sins. So obviously she didn't have any understanding of that. And so she was arguing. I said, well, let me show you it in Scripture. And this is what happened. I want to show you how important that you be ready. For some reason, I couldn't remember the chapter and verse. Now, I've quoted that verse a lot of time. I know it's 2 Corinthians 5.21. But on that particular instance, it just, I had a mental block or whether it was a devil. I don't know what it was. But I could not remember where that verse is. So I'm kind of trying to remember where it is. And of course, the next thing you do, you pull out your old your second brain, right? The, 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 the Google. Okay, so I pull up my second brain, but the problem is I was in giant and there was no the connection was weak and my second brain failed me. So, so my first brain failed, my second brain failed, and so while I'm trying to pick, remember where the verse, because I needed to show her that I was not just saying something, she was keep, you know, I was talking about, no, 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 Jesus, no, no, no. I guess she felt I was, I was weird or so far off. She said, oh, she walked away. No, because she didn't want to hear this fool talk to her about something she knew I was wrong. Here's the point. I wasn't ready. And that door of opportunity shut. And I could not retrieve it because I didn't, when I finally got the verse, I couldn't find her. So the best I could do was say, Lord, please open her eyes to the truth. You see, when you're not ready or prepared, doors of opportunity can close that you can never retrieve. Who knows what a difference showing her the text might have made in her life. I pray God sends somebody who's more prepared better prepared the next time to help her. The Lord wants all of us to be disciples. But he ended the parable by saying, watch. For the Son of Man comes at a day and time when you don't know. Don't just be a disciple. Be a watchful disciple. Get ready. Stay ready. Receive the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the word of God 
receive the word, keep letting the word of God dwell in you richly. In Jesus' name. That's how you walk wisely. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We pray now that you make it come alive in us and may it produce transformation. I pray that every one of us here, henceforth, will walk wisely. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, praise God. Are you ready to give? No, that was wicked. You ready to give? So let me just encourage you to give wisely. Give wisely. All right? Do the will of God in your giving. Don't procrastinate for tomorrow. When it comes to your giving, do God's will now. Whatever you know God's will to be, do it in your giving. God loves a generous and cheerful giver. Do it. Whatever generosity means for you, do it. In Jesus' name. All right? And there's a prayer I want us to pray because this is the, the way Paul prayed for the believers when it came to finances. And I believe this is a scriptural way for you to be praying for yourself. So will you show me that passage in 2 Corinthians 9 that says that, that the Lord, Paul is praying and he prays for us and he says, May the God who gives seed to the sower and bread for food multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Amen. Father, we pray for your people. We pray, Lord, that even as they give right now, you will bless and increase them and increase them in every manner. In Jesus' name. All right.